What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Thoughts by DeVille DI. I am your host, DeVille DI. Glad to have y'all back. I know y'all thinking, DeVille, DeVille, where you been at, bro? It's been like a week or two before you hit, since you hit us with an episode. Relax, I'm explaining it to you, right? I've been working on the I'm Telling Your Podcast with my brother. Whole nother separate podcast. If you go a few episodes back, you'll notice that change where it was me and my brother. We were kind of wilding out, talking about some wild topics and whatnot. That is the I'm Telling Your Podcast. That is not going to be featured on this show. That is a whole separate show for itself. You can find it on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the places you listen to podcasts, podcasts, and we have it on YouTube. So that's what's been kind of had my attention. And then I was out, I was scrolling through uh, social media and I ran across this brother, caught my attention. Just the name of his uh, work caught my attention in itself. So I reached out to him and we had some few communication areas trying to get this together. But I got him here. I have poet J.E. Johnson. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. No problem, man. I appreciate you uh, you being here, man, because I, I always like to use that old Jay-Z bar. You know, you could be anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with me. Right. So um, That's best to be right now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off, before we talk about your work, um, let's start off with a little bit about your background. Tell the people a little bit about you. Where are you from? I'm from um, Chicago, South Suburbs. Um was born in Chicago. I grew up in the uh, in Calumet City, over in uh, Southside. Um, but yeah, I moved out to to Wheaton, uh, western suburbs of Chicago. So, um, but yeah, I lived in Riverdale. Lived in you know a couple of uh, places around Chicago, and I had a chance to move out to the western suburbs. So right now it's good. Okay, so what was life like for you growing up in Chicago? Um, life growing up, it wasn't, it wasn't all that easy. You know, I've struggled here and there, of course, you know, uh, with my family. Um, I'm like the youngest of three brothers. I have a a little sister as well, but I'm like the youngest boy. Um, my mom's single, single mother, um, never, never married. Uh, she did all that she can to help provide for her children and she did her best and she raised us well um she put us in a church um i'm currently attending the spirit of grace church over in chicago um but just being having that that background of you know growing up chicago also being in church it kind of uh it kind of eased the struggles a little bit because the way I'm taught in, in church, it, it kind of like counteracted everything else that was going on in my life. Because a lot of things that I've I've heard and continue to hear now it is is helping me in my personal life. So just growing up, my mom didn't have a lot. She did the best she could. Christmas, holidays, 
like I said, she did she did the best she could, and, and I love her for that. And I continue to. She's still alive, by the way. Awesome. Um, so I'm I'm living with my my wife and my 15 month old daughter now. So she kind of prepared me. My mom kind of prepared me for for a lot of things, you know, as a man should. Like my pastor, he's all, I consider him as my spiritual father. So having him as like the man part in my life kind of helped me to grow into the man that I'm, I am today. So growing up, so in all that being said, growing up in Chicago, it was, it was a struggle, but I'm, I wasn't like struggling that much, so to speak. So I, I've, I had to, and I'm continuing to, to climb from where you know, from the type of past I had, but I don't, I don't never forget. Mm. So, and, and one of the reasons why I was interested in mm-hmm. what, what, uh, what it was like for you there, because Chicago has, gets a bad rap and they, it does, it has a certain stigma that goes along with it. So, I, and I was glad to hear through your story, a little, some, some positivity and to hear that you had some positive influences around you coming up to kind of keep you mm-hmm. and guide you. You know, we all end up in different situations. Everybody's got it. Right. Everybody's got a pass, you know, what they say. Right. Boys will be boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I think, and I, I'm sorry to cut you off. And I no, you just think, and I just think like the type of path somebody is on, like the type of success, it's like they wouldn't have gotten that success if it wasn't I say up your your past may play a part in building your future you know oh definitely and I just think that people shouldn't forget that much yes as you move forward in life they say don't you can't don't look back you can't you can't turn back around um and and that's true but I think that what happened in your past is also is what's shaping you for the type of success that I say that God wants you to have, you know, definitely, yeah. Because I, I I tell people around me all the time, like when in the situation I'm in now, I'm sitting up in these meetings, these 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 division wide meetings, and uh-huh. dealing with people of the corporate world, and you know, they a lot of them are shady too, a lot of them are shisty too, but. Uh-huh. The things that I went through when I was, let's say, for lack of a better term, in the street, mm-hmm. a lot of times stuff that they come towards me with is like, you know what, you you might would have fooled somebody else, but you're not gonna fool me. I know a fast talk when I hear one. I know a yeah. hustle when I hear one. I know when you, you know, I know when, you, when somebody's trying to put a battery in my back. Yeah, and like you said, I know those things because of the things that I went through. Exactly in the street that the. the uh, another person who doesn't have that type of background, you probably would have got over on him because he's he hasn't had to deal with yeah. every day. Well, I ain't gonna say every day, but you know, you you have that you have that constant threat in your head of somebody's gonna try to get me today. As far as like mm-hmm. whether it be financially get over on me, whether mm-hmm. it be hustle me out of something that I have, you know, you, you have that that thought in your head anytime you're dealing with people, especially people that you don't know, people you just been yeah. introduced with, you always have those thoughts in my head, okay, what's your angle, bro? What you coming at? What's yeah. your, what are you trying to get out of me? So now that, and I'm in, sitting at these tables and I'm listening to this talking like, okay, he's full of crap. 
okay, he's just trying to see who he can get in alliance with so to get where he's trying to do. And, you right. know, it, it makes it a whole lot easier for me to navigate through that, you know, because yeah. of my background. Yeah. And, and people just try to put that type of, uh, I'm going to say, like, I don't want to say like stereotypical notion in your head or it's like people, you just got to be careful who you let in your, I say inner circle because you never know what type of motive somebody got. Cause they can come to you nice and all that. But in the back of their head, they might have some plans of, you know, trying to do you some type of harm. I'm not just talking about physically, but like mentally yeah. as well. So it's like you just got to have some type of block up. And then once you continue to see or continue to interact with that person, it's like, and, and they show you the type of person they are through their actions. It's like, okay, I can trust this person. Yeah. Before I couldn't, you you telling me you're nice, but I just met you. So I don't know that. So I got to see, and you ain't got to tell them, oh, I got to see how you are. It's just, cause like people always say, you never know who's watching you. Mm-hmm. No matter where you go, yeah. My my mother always said that she's she's still around. I want to make it sound like past tense, but yeah. you know, my mother <laughs> my mother always said that you never know who's watching you. So mm-hmm. you know, carry yourself a certain way, dress a certain mm-hmm. way, you know, act a certain way because you never know who's paying attention. And you know, you might be you might be down at the donut shop acting a fool. You got an mm-hmm. interview. You know, you go across the street, go upstairs, and the guy who was sitting in the donut shop. With, you mm-hmm. know, when you was acting a fool, it's the one who conducted your interview. Now you're looking crazy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's this commercial that's, that plays on, I think it's like Hulu TV or like the radio that I listen to. Then this person is talking to this woman. They, I think they sit in a car or they have some type of interaction. And oh, and the guy was sitting, you know, sitting in her parking spot. And they just laughing and talking, and she's laughing. Say, like, "Oh, I'm the boss," and she was like, "Oh, you on my spot?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, wow! I'm it's pre- like you never know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw that. Really, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw that. She like pulls up, and the guy has an attitude or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Get us upstairs, <laughs> and she's the boss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. So, <laughs> what? When did you uh, get into writing, or what got I, you into writing? I started. Um, I actually just started writing when I was a freshman in high school, and that was just back 2002, so that was like some years ago. Um, but the the inspiration was just, I say it was just God-given. Uh, my pastor spoke a word on me. I let it manifest through the years, but I really just started noticing my writing ability when I was a freshman in high school. Like, I had some attendance issues, and the high school I went to, they had like this, like during the school day, you had like this in-school suspension type of thing. So it was like they oh, I know about that. Other, yeah, singing to the other room and you're in there with a bunch of other other kids throughout the day. And you, they, at the time they say, oh, you couldn't go to sleep and this. And this. So it's like I was bored. So um, I pulled out paper, had a pen with me. So just I just started writing. And if I look back on my earlier stuff now, like, man, it sounds like some stuff some kids are right. So, but yeah, I just let it progress from there. So back in 2002 is when I really, really started writing because I started with love poems, you know, giving it to these these girls that I had to crush on and 
just trying to really develop my skill and you know just to see what type of talent i had <laughs> yeah but you, yeah you brought back memories with that iss man i was mm-hmm. I, at one point i was in iss indefinitely mm-hmm. indefinitely they had it was a short long story short some guys tried to jump me you know mm-hmm. after lunch we had when we had lunch you know, everybody be out. We go outside, so everybody be outside, yeah. and we were always the cool kids who waited to be the last people to walk yeah. in. So when we go to walk in, my buddy, my best friend's beside me. He walks in first. I go to walk in, and the guy grabs me in the headlock from behind, like some awesome, like some <laughs> prison type, gangland type. Yeah, <laughs> grabs me and pulls me back out the door. Yeah, but and I can't call him because the guy got me in the headlock. Yeah, just so happens the principal comes out the door and he sees us and he's like, y'all quit playing around, go mm-hmm. to class. So dude, let me go. And we went in and, you know, from that point on, I went and told him what happened and he went and got the guys and, you know, some things escalated. And yeah. I ended up because they said I was inciting like a riot or something like that. I ended mm-hmm. up, nobody got touched though. Everything got broken up before we, cause we had, they we went like into the people's classroom to try to get them. Mm-hmm. They got yeah. the, they got us separated before anybody got touched, so I didn't get suspended. But they put me in there indefinitely because they couldn't figure out, you know, what to do with this guy because yeah, he had this many people moved because something happened to him. We need to separate him. We might need to get him up out of here. I guess that's how they felt about it, right? You know, but at the end of the day, it was really just us being young and dumb on some neighborhood stuff, and that was the end of nothing ever happened to uh behind that anymore but that brought back a memory man because i was in ISS so long boy (laughs) man and i think i went to a couple of those (laughs) it wasn't just one day it was like it wasn't like too often but it was like a couple of days a week i think i even had like a a saturday iss oh my goodness bro I, i was in there i saw people come i saw people go then finally how I end up getting out, I end up being in it probably like 15 days in a row. Okay. How I end up getting it, but on the my on my slip, it said indefinitely. They didn't give me, everybody else who went had three days, 10, mm-hmm. some people had like 10, seven. They would get all getting out after one or two days. Mm-hmm. You know, it might have said 10 days, but two, three days, and they get right. out. Mine just said indefinitely. I had no yeah. release date. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but one day the, the principal comes along. And he asked for some guys to help him move some stuff. So I go out there. Cause I'm just trying to get out of this room. I go out there and I help him move stuff. And we start talking. I think that might have been his plan all along mm-hmm. to kind of get me out there and see where my head was at. Yeah. And we get out and we get to talking about this and that. And then, like, the next day they let me go back to normal class. But it was wild. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow. <laughs> well, let's, let's get back to uh, talk about you and your work, man. This book that you have. This your first release? It's actually my third, but oh. it's like my first dealing with a topic like this. Okay, so this this release entitled "Black in America." What influenced this? Um, really, what started? Uh, it was more so what happened a couple months ago this year. You know, dealing with um George Floyd and um his death and. The other surrounding events that came from that, the the thing with Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, 
Um, it's just like when I was seeing it and like, I don't watch too much news programs, mm-hmm. um, but like just seeing uh, a couple of clips of stories, but it's like, it's, it's it wasn't hard not to, like, I, I couldn't just back away from that. On what was what was I was, what was ice? I can't even get my words out. <laughs> Take, your I time, st- Take your time, Yeah, I couldn't get away from that because it was like all over social media. It was all mm-hmm. over the news, just everywhere. Like even just browsing on my phone somewhere. So it's like this just sparked some type of anger within me because it's like it's always somebody that's trying to do the black community, some type of harm. Like, I don't even know the whole backstory of what happened. The only thing I heard about what happened was with George was the store clerk. He had a, uh, George came in with a counterfeit bill trying to buy some cigarettes or whatever it was. And I guess they decided to call the police on him. And the police come after a while. They decided to handcuff him, pull him down on the ground. The guy forgot the, the I guess the officer in charge decided to put his neck on him until the medic, medical people came. And it's just just seeing that, it, it just sparked some type of anger within me. And then I hear more about Ahmad. I hear things about Breonna Taylor. I'm like, oh my God, this is, it just can't keep happening because it happened yeah. with um, Trayvon Martin. It happened with Sandra um, Bland. It's, I'm like, how many years is is this going to keep on happening? And I know that racism is going to always exist. Police brutality may always exist, but it's like, but for what though? Like, why do it have to keep happening to to the black community? Like, what are we doing wrong? <laughs> yeah. Like, really? And this the scary thing about it to me was that like those situations that you named the uh, um, George Floyd. Maud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, all of those were situations that could have been me. Like, mm-hmm. I legit remember I was probably, I want to say 16, maybe 15, 16, somewhere up in there. And mm-hmm. my mom gave me some money that I knew she went every Friday, she'd go to the bank. Um, well, not every Friday, but she, my dad would send money. My mom would go to the bank and give me a portion of the money that my dad sent that was supposed to be my walking around money. So mm-hmm. she went and got the money. She came, she gave me this money. I go ride off with my homeboys. We stop mm-hmm. at a gas station. I go in, I go to pay for my stuff. And the guy tells me that my 20 is fake. And I'm like, what do you mean it's fake? It's like, yeah, it's fake. I was like, my mom just got this from the bank, whatever. It's like, no, if this was, the, I don't know if you remember how old you, I don't know how old you are. So I don't know if you remember, but this was like a change. They've changed the bills several times, but this was like when we went from like the old 20s with the small heads to the big head 20s down yeah. around that time, 90s. So yeah. I had one of the old 20s, and the guy was mm-hmm. like, no, this isn't, this isn't real. Da, 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 da. But fortunately for me, he just gave it back to me and was like, mm-hmm. you know, um, but he wasn't like, he didn't come at me like as if he felt like I was trying to get over on him. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, this ain't real. I was like, oh, yeah, my mom just gave me that. She got it from the bank. It's like, well, you need to take it back. He gives gives it back to me. But mm-hmm. seeing that the, the, uh, the George Floyd brought back that memory was like that could have been me in that situation. Yeah, right there. I was in that exact same position. Yeah, because I don't know whether or not you know uh, George's bill, whether he intentionally tried to pass a counterfeit bill 
or he uh-huh. ended up with one like I did. And then Maude Aubrey, just a guy out jogging and looking right. around the neighborhood. And then, you know, that's th- these are things that I do. I jog around the neighborhood. Yeah. Lot, but, <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. Not- and, 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 it's, and it's sometimes it's scary because it's like, and I don't, and I think the only reason that the people got caught is because like um somebody just decided to just speak up on him because if nobody really said anything, I don't I don't think his story would have been, you know, all all across the news or been yeah. broadcast like it was. Yeah, and that, that's why I'm glad the social media era is it has its positive and it has its negatives. Right. But if it wasn't for the social media area, the social media media era, we wouldn't mm-hmm. see those type of things because exactly, especially like and see that the George Floyd happened at a time where most of us were on lockdown. We mm-hmm. didn't have much to do but sit and stare at our phones. And every time you opened your phone, you saw this yeah. yep. nine minute video of this guy's on this guy's neck for nine minutes. Whether you yeah. watch the whole thing or not, you repeatedly got hit in the head with that. And the whole Ahmaud Arbery thing, when it happened, it was like those are what those are the type of situation that normally get swept under the rug in yeah. the good old boy towns, you know. Well, because the guy they say that I was reading, listening to the nine one one tape actually that just came mm-hmm. a week or two ago, and the guy kept talking about how he was former law enforcement and hand, how we're going to handle it. Like he immediately went into that whole. We need to sweep this under the rug. We need to handle this a different kind of way because I used to be law enforcement type of vibe. But mm-hmm. normally we wouldn't get that information. But right. somebody decided to put the video up right. on social media, tried to snatch it down, but you can never snatch it down fast enough right. without exactly. somebody else getting a hold of it. And exactly. So, go ahead. But, no, I was going to say because like once it's shared online, it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be hard to take down. <laughs> yeah. So, this book, uh, Black in America, uh, tell us about it. What, it. what were you looking for or uh, looking forward to with this book? Um, I was just, I just want, with this book, for my voice to be heard because this book is, it's not like it's a multi-page book. Black in America is a one-poem book. Mm-hmm. Um, split up into different sections with different pages and different pictures of family and friends because it's, it's not more so talking about um, the the movement um, Black Lives Matter is more about the my, from my perspective about the Black culture and how we you know see ourselves in different situations like that, like I think of like with this book, I share some information about my da- my daughter, my wife, uh, co-workers, friends, um, just just anybody, and it's not just for the black the black culture, the black folks. It's I'm looking for this book to even hit other nationalities, other ethnicities, just so that they can see from what I'm talking about, me as the author just so they get some type of clear picture of what it means to be black in America. Awesome. I definitely feel like we need, that's a message that we need to get out there and spread around because a lot of people don't know. A lot of the people who aren't willing, you have some people that just aren't willing to accept the fact that 
black people in America are treated differently, mm-hmm. but they aren't willing to accept it. I feel like a lot of them aren't willing to accept it because they don't know it to be true because they haven't seen it. They haven't experienced it, you know? Right. And then like, if you come up, if you, if you live in, you've always lived in this nice um, suburban neighborhood or wherever, and you've been surrounded by only people of your own demographic, then how are you going to tell me about how the guy who lives mm-hmm. down a couple blocks down the street, who lives around the corner, how he gets treated yeah. when he comes through your neighborhood, when he walks through your neighborhood. And uh, I had to explain to one of my friends who is, mm-hmm. uh, he's a white male. And he, just some things he was saying was like came off lightweight racist to me. Yeah. But it was like, he's like, you know, I'm not like that. I'm not racist because me and you are friends. And I was like, no, that doesn't mean that you're not that racist because exactly. I'm your friend. You're not racist towards me because mm-hmm. I'm your friend. But what you just said about that guy, you know what I mean? That was yeah. kind of that was kind of wild. No, you didn't use any slurs. You didn't mm-hmm. use anything like that, but the way you the way you just judged this guy, that came off kind of bad. And he had to think about it. And I was like, you know, racism isn't how you treat the people of a different race that you know. Yeah. Because normally you're gonna treat them a little different. It's about mm-hmm. how you approach and how you treat and how you view that person that you don't know. Right. And it can go, honestly, it can go either way. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna sit here and act like black people don't have racial biases and prejudices. We do, right? Just the same way the Hispanic community has different biases and, and prejudices, and everybody does. But you can't. Is it, what? What did someone tell me that they say it's not enough to be not racist in this day, in this climate, in this day and age? You have to be anti-racist. Yeah. Racist. You know what I mean? You have to actually make an effort to make sure that you don't put any of that in the atmosphere, even if you, mm-hmm. you know, you feel like you're not, but you have to be anti so much to where you have to sometimes say, Oh, oh wait up, man. That, that little, that joke right there, you kind of, you kind of pushing it. And that's what I did. Yeah. This guy. Cause it was, I was like, Oh bro, that was kind of, that was borderline right there. It's like, man, mm-hmm. but you know, this is me. I'm not, I don't mean it like that. I was like, I don't know how you mean no, exactly. that. Right. <laughs> yeah. So with so, the, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. So I was just gonna say with the said with the black in America, this is one. This is one poem. One poem, it's like sectioned out. Yeah. Awesome. So it's like you you just was able to make this 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 thought into a complete work, man. That's dope. And yeah. Uh, and I remember when Guy even gave me the inspiration for the book covers, like, I told my wife, like, babe, it's like, because I think I was watching something, talking about it, about what was going on with George and all of them. Um, I just got, like, he gave me, like, uh, it, like images in my head, and I had to draw it down on paper. And I told my wife, went to our bedroom, I'm like, babe, I got I got an idea for a book dealing with, you know, uh, uh, what happened. Um, so I wrote everything down, do it on, drew it on, on paper and showed it to her. She said, babe, that's awesome. She's like, God gave me this, gave this to me. And I said, I got to do it. 
this isn't like one of those times where I think of something. It's like, okay, if I don't get to it, it won't matter. It's like I gotta get this out. I gotta get this out. Like I even was looking for like different people to work on a book cover for me. Um, but some told me just just do the book cover yourself. It ain't gotta be super professional, but the way I like to do do things, especially if I'm looking to put my work out there in the public, it's gotta be professional because I, I don't have a bunch of graphic design skills and knowledge, but I continue to work on that every day. So it's like with this book, I just had to make it simple. I was going to put the black fist on them, the crown and just my name and just going to have yellow, um, like make it look like police tape or, ca- or caution tape with mm-hmm. my name on it and with the, the name of the book on it. So it's like, and I sold this to my wife. She said, Oh babe, that's, I love it. That's that's awesome. Um, so I just, as much time as I, I had, I had to put it together because I don't. Sometimes I don't have a lot of time dealing with a fifteen month old. So yeah. with the time I had, uh, I was able to just work on my computer and just start putting this thing together. And then once I did, and once I got the the know how and then uh, enough wisdom to put the book on Amazon, I'm like, okay, that's it. And I had to research Amazon because a lot of people want it. Cause with my other two books, they were like, they always would ask me, is your book on Amazon? Is mm. this and that? I said, no, I'm just selling it outright. Like I would buy physical copies and just sell it. Like nothing online, anything like this. But with this one, it's like, okay, let me learn how to do Amazon. <laughs> so yeah. once I got that process started, okay, it's out there. Yeah, I got to share it. Amazon is way, I just, well, when I was, Sending you uh the links for the show. Amazon showed up. Drop off one of my packages, but and I, I think, I think certain people. I don't want to say. I want to. I'm just gonna say. How I say. Sir, I feel like certain people don't take you serious when you're not on something like Amazon. Yeah. And on another note, I feel like, and this is just a message to other authors out there that might be listening. I feel like you're kind of you kind of limit your potential when you mm-hmm. don't have it on something like Amazon, because when you're trying to sell something hand to hand in 2020, where a lot of people don't have cash on hand anymore. Yeah. You know, and, and if you don't have those things, you got to come into the technology where, you know, where you, where you're able to take cash apps or you're able to take cars out there. And some mm-hmm. people aren't willing to give out information like that to strangers just on the street. Yeah. If you're on Amazon, I can always go on Amazon because my mm-hmm. my information is already in there. I just right. you know them them freaking uh uh car parts or whatever that last week. I can mm-hmm. go on Amazon and I know that it's legit on Amazon. Exactly. And, you know, Amazon's gonna back me, so that's definitely a yep. big move. Uh, was it was it a difficult process to get your book on Amazon? Um, not really difficult. Um, uh, I had I started with the um they got a portion on that uh to put put it out there as an ebook. So they had me download another, like it's called Kindle Create. So I did that, worked with the cover, worked with the manuscript. And then once I was able to get to the end of that, I saw where they say, okay, now you're going to upload your information to do the paperback. So it's like Amazon KDP, which is like pretty much it's like a free software you can use to uh, 
upload your stuff and i don't i'm i'm not 100 like super clear on how the whole thing worked like mm-hmm. to this day i'm trying to uh, understand how it works mm-hmm. but it's uh but it's it's working for me um but it it wasn't a super hard process it, it was pretty easy because okay. once you upload your your book set it up set up the cover how they want it how they how they want it set up upload your manuscript make sure it's edited to the best of, uh to the best that it could be and once it's done it's i think amazon do the rest and like when people order they provide the the copies for for the people who buy and once it starts shipping out you see the money coming in from ebook or if they order a paperback okay now y'all out there authors aspiring authors the listening look what the brother just told you it's not that hard you know get out the you know the quit procrastinating get your right. stuff it's a step by step process with KDP Amazon yeah get your stuff together go you know follow that process boom get your stuff up on Amazon man it is what you waiting on Sitting around the house all day anyway, you know that was that. Right, it was that old. Uh, it was Everest College. <laughs> oh yeah, Everest. sitting around while watching TV all day anyway. So, right quick, uh, I know you kind of uh, uh, don't have all day, but um, quickly, if you don't mind, what was your other two uh, books about? Those, the first book was called "I Sat at a Table and Wrote Poetry." That one was just about. That one was just a collection of. Pretty much a lot of my stuff I've written over the years from 2005 up until I say 2015 because I released the book in 2015. So that was just more so a collection. Didn't really have like a set theme. Mm. It was it just dealt with like a lot of love poems I put in there, inspirational poetry, um, uh, encouragement. Um, the second one is called I, um, "The Naked Truth in the Matter." Those poems were more so about um, just it was just more reflective of the world around me. Like it, it took, I wrote about um, baseball. I got a poem that called "I Know Nothing About Baseball," <laughs> um, and that was just talking about the Cubs World Series uh, when they had just recently. Um, it just it just went more into my personal life versus the first book. So I, I had time to even make it just more so personal and just include some things in there that I haven't really included in my first book. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, the book you're promoting today, Black in America, do you happen to have, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot, I'm pro- I apologize. Okay. Do you have no, like an a, a excerpt or a few lines or something from there you could share with us? I do. Awesome. Okay. Here's one. Don't try to tell us black folk that what we are doing is wrong. When we are literally fighting for our lives, and I don't mean because of the pandemic, waking up praying to God to keep us safe in it. Praying that if we do get pulled over by a white officer, we're praying that he's not racist or having a bad day or claim to be frightened for his lives. We praying that he honor his badge and not betray. I don't want to think about whether or not someone someone will be shot dead in their sleep like the police did to Breonna Taylor. 
I think of my mom, I think about my black daughter. If things aren't better by the time she gets of age, will she end up like Breonna Taylor? I shouldn't even have to think about that ever happening to her. So that was just a little right there. Awesome. I appreciate it. You had that one on deck too. You was ready to pull that one out the pocket, huh? I see. For sure. <laughs> so man, I think, like go ahead. I'm sorry. Because when I think about what happened to Brianna and just her being a black woman, it's like my daughter is black, but of course she's she's little, but I don't want to ever have to think about what happened to Brianna happening to her. And that is what angers me the most about this whole thing, because as a black father, you want to always be there to protect your kids. Mm-hmm. So that that part right there just gets me the most. Yeah, man. So I don't think there's a better way to end the show than on that note. So tell the people um, where they can find your your, your work. Uh, shout out any of your social media accounts, websites, anything you want to promote out there. Yes, sir. Um, they can find my work. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> More so Facebook at Jonathan E. Johnson. They can find my page, one of my pages, one of my books, um, books by J.E. Johnson. Instagram, official J.E. Johnson is out there, man. Um, purchase my copy. Purchase a book of Black in America on Amazon. Awesome, it's out man. there. Once again, man, I want to thank you for taking the time out to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Um, much respect to you. Y'all, check out that book. Y'all heard it. Sounds great. Sounds like it's got some good stuff in there. Just from the snippet that the brother read, it was kind of kind of hit me in my chest. It was kind of cold. But <laughs> certain topics, certain situations need a little cold. We can't always be out here laughing, joking, smiling, having exactly. fun, man. There's some serious things going on in this world. But uh, exactly. thank you, brother, for taking the time out talking to me today. I really do appreciate it. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. And as always, to my thinkers out there, I love and appreciate each and every last one of y'all that take the time out to tune into my show. And uh, we up out of here. Y'all have a good one.